0: James is taking children downstairs. And so, if you are a small child, go with James. The rest of you are stuck here with me. That means you too. (laughs) This, uh, let's uh, pray in preparation for the, the message this morning. Heavenly Father I pray that you be with us this morning um, be with me as I as I prepare the message help me to um, help me to share the gospel effectively help me to, um, to to speak the truth in love help me to um, accurately reflect what your spirit is saying through the scriptures through your word um, I pray for your grace uh, on me that I'd be able to do so beyond what what my ability is, Lord. And I, I pray for the folks who are here that they would hear from you, that they would know you more by hearing your word this morning, that they would hear the gospel, um, that they would know grace, and that they would come to know Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, weird. All right, well, I'm going to restart that. <laughs> um, I, I go through these weird um, phases where I'll, I'll binge watch things. You know, where I'll, I'll, anytime I take a break, you know, I'll stop and I'll watch. I, a few months ago, I watched boxing for months, or for weeks, where I just, for some reason, I got it in my head like I was interested in, in watching boxing. And so I would watch highlights of old boxing matches on YouTube. And, and, uh, here recently, in the gap, um, between sections of my day, I have been, I've been watching, um, Kitchen Nightmares. Has anybody, but not like whole episodes. I don't want to watch whole episodes because I don't want to see people get better. Like I I watched that beginning 8 minutes of the show where Gordon Ramsay, who is a horrible horrible man, um walks into a restaurant, sits down and then proceeds to destroy everything that's put in front of him. Do you you know what I'm talking about? Is anybody else I, I'm surely not the only person who has watched this. Like I <laughs> just me. Um, but, but the, the basic premise is the guy goes to restaurants that are dying and failing and he, he tries to fix them in about 48 hours. And, and the cool thing about this show is that as he's trying to fix them in 48 hours, I'm usually checking online to see if they succeeded or not because there are websites that'll tell you that this place is closed and almost all of them are closed because as it turns out, like if you can't run a restaurant, 48 hours ain't going to fix it. Um, the thing that strikes me and the reason I'm sharing this this morning Um, is that 90% of the time, the people who are running the restaurants have forgotten the purpose that they're doing it for. Um, They have forgotten, like, some of the basic premise things that go into running a restaurant. Like, for example, you have to serve your customers. And if you don't manage to serve your customers, they will leave, right? Um, You have to provide food that isn't unbelievably terrible, and if you do so, like people will eat at your restaurant. And most of these places, their food is inedible, right? And it comes out of dirty kitchens from people who are, like, drunk while they're working or whatever. I mean, like it is. And then Gordon yells at people, and they cry, and eventually everything gets better until he leaves, and then they go out of business. Um, I'm starting with this. Um, this section of Peter's letter, um, well, it is, is about pastors, okay? So this is the day – I'm going to talk about pastors. (laughs) Um, But as I talk about pastors, understand, um, first off, I would pay anything to have somebody follow me around and yell at me about what I'm doing wrong. Um, And I know there's plenty of volunteers in the room. Um, But here's the tricky part, is that churches do not exist as customer service organizations, right? We are the anti-restaurant, right? Our, Our job is not to make you happy. Our job is not to make you comfortable. Our job is not to make you um, feel wonderful about yourself. I'm sorry. Like, it's just not what we're here for. The church exists so you can know Jesus. The church exists so that at the end of your life, you will stand before God, innocent, pure, and holy and acceptable to him, instead of being dismissed from his presence. The church exists to glorify God above all else. And God is most glorified when he shows mercy to folks who are sinful. Everybody with me? Anybody ready to storm out? <laughs> this is the worst crème brûlée I've ever had. Um <laughs> and and a lot of times we get because of our culture we get stuck into this mindset and pastors are the worst for it right because our job is to worry about budgets our job is to worry about attendance our job is to worry, worry about who is upset and who isn't our job is to is to do this stuff like we do this like and we are in this position and it's easy for us to forget this um, the church is all about Jesus Christ who came and bore the weight of our sins on himself was was nailed to the cross was punished in our place. And then, like, like, so when God looked at Jesus on the cross, he saw our sin. And when he looks at us, he sees Christ's righteousness. And our job in life is to pursue holiness. And the church exists to help you pursue holiness. To pursue Christ-likeness. This is what we exist for. In the process, we, we help people. Right? Because that's part of being holy is caring for people. In the process, we pursue justice for the folks around us. Because our job as the church is to be Christ, and Christ protected the innocent and the helpless. Our job is to feed folks who can't, like, take care of themselves. Our job is to, is to like, flavor the world with the salt, right, that comes with the gospel. Like, this is us, but we're not a restaurant, right? We are not, um, we are not, we don't exist to make you happy, um, there are ministries that do that, but they're not really churches. Does that make sense? Um, in this letter so far, Peter is writing this short little letter. He's writing to a group of folks all over Asia Minor, which is sort of in Mesopotamia and all that. Um, this These churches in Asia Minor, a lot of them are poor. A lot of them are slaves. A lot of them are women. He is... Um, Covering the basics of the faith and talking a lot about persecution and actually a big chunk of the preceding three chapters are all about persecution And now he shifts gear and he talks about pastors Okay, so we're jumping into pastors now and and it is a big major shift in focus Um, Before we begin with this. I want to make something clear Authority and leadership in the church is not inherent right? I I I, uh, I, I I'm pastor here. This is my job. My job is to take care of you all spiritually to watch over you This is what I do um, My authority Is not inherent in my title My authority only comes as long as I'm standing in Jesus' spot If I get up here and I tell you that God told you all to give 90% of your income until we have enough for me to own a mansion I would be stepping outside of God's authority and speaking on my own behalf Right, And then I would be basically dissolving any authority or any like, like leadership I have. Like that would be the anti-biblical leadership. Biblical leadership is all about speaking on Christ's behalf in harmony with his teachings in order to help folks know the Father, in order to glorify God and spread the gospel. That is what, that is what pastoral leadership is about. That is what authority is in the scripture. is all about helping people know Jesus. It is all about spreading the gospel. And so anytime you sort of shift away from that, there's a problem. And that's a huge deal because this is one of those texts that has historically been abused in order to, like, force leadership in a way that's not real. Um, I've encountered folks who will say, the pastor is the man of God, and if you say one bad thing about him or criticize him or – doubt him in any way, you're offending God's anointed. Nope. Pastor is only special as long as he's speaking the words of Jesus. The moment he stops, guess what? He's done. He's standing on his own. Sometimes I'll have um, my wonderful, beautiful little daughter give directions to her brother. And she does that very faithfully and zealously. And a lot of times that zealousness leads to Additional rules and additional expectations and commands that may or may not have come from me. The moment she tells her brother to do something I didn't tell her to do, I'm not back in her play. y'all with me? So like as we start talking about pastors we talk about leadership as we talk about anything, all biblical leadership. that's husband in the home, that's um, parents over their kids. That is everything. All of it is rooted in scriptural authority. And once you abandon it, you're done. Um, real quick, one last thing. There's a cultural thing that turns up here, and we're going to have to address it in a bit. And I want to lay the groundwork before we jump into it because it's a big deal. Um, in Oriental cultures, like Orient, like the Middle East and Eastern cultures, um, there's a huge deference for age. Age is a thing you respect, and you treat older folks with respect. And to fail to do so is an enormous like dishonor. Right. Like it's a huge deal. This culture is no different. Like the Middle East, everywhere where like like um, Christianity would have blossomed in the early centuries, like the elder, the younger. There is a huge dynamic there and it is an important dynamic to understand. Um, It feeds a lot of the language of the early church. It feeds a lot of the titles. Like when we have elders, elders are leaders. Right. Um, It's clear, though, that Paul like appointed Timothy, who was young. Um, So not all elders are older. Sometimes they're younger elders. Um, come on, that was nothing um, so we're going to dive into first, uh first Peter five I think I actually um started out with four one i don't know how that happened okay um I'm actually going to read the whole section here and then we're going to piece it apart because there's a lot of piecing apart and I wanted you to get the big sense of it. This is the first five verses. To the elders amongst you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So that is the whole section. It is an admonition and a direction to leadership. And so we're going to dive in here. Peter begins. To the elders amongst you. Peter is not referring to the old people, right? I am sorry, all of you old people, Craig, sorry. Um, This is a reference to um, folks who are in the position of leadership in the church, the elders. Um, In our church, because we have a defined structure, we have a board that oversees things and they are in positions of leadership. But there are folks who are here who have inherent leadership just based on the fact that they are who they are and they're mature in Christ and people listen to them. I would point to uh Glenn and Anita are people like that who are spiritually mature, people that folks like like should look to and say, This is a person I should respect because this is a spiritual leader within our church. You all get this idea? Um, elder is a position that is um, in the modern church is a structural position, but it is a lifelong unavoidable. If you are in a position of spiritual maturity, you have responsibility that comes with it. Um, you have authority that comes with it, but it is only authority inasmuch as much that Christ is like an authority within the church. Um, and, and that's a weird thing right? Because if this was a restaurant, come back to my metaphor, right? If this was a restaurant, you would have one guy in charge, right? And if somebody was a manager and then they stopped being a manager, they would no longer be a manager. In our world, you're stuck. Like if Christ is, like, gives you the grace to grow and mature, guess what? You don't get to put that away. It's on you and you carry it with you. And there's some of y'all folks look to for help and guidance. Isn't it true? People will call you and say, hey, I need some input on this. Or, hey, I need some support on this. And God has given you an amazing gift. And that is a gift that you're responsible for. Um, that is a huge, huge deal. So Peter speaks to these elders, these leaders within the church. And he says, I appeal as a fellow elder. Number one, Peter is being Super humble right now because Peter is an elder in a respect, but he's also like an apostle. Okay, like within the church, there's this, the, the ancient church, there was a thing called apostles. We don't have apostles anymore. Okay, so when people say, oh, I'm apostle so-and-so, that is not a biblical apostle. A biblical apostle is somebody who saw Jesus and resurrected Jesus. You all with me? Like, so Paul was an apostle because he saw the resurrected Christ. Peter's an apostle because he was taught by Jesus himself. Once all these guys died, apostleship ended. So Peter is an apostle, but he's saying, hey, I'm an elder, just like you. Um, And a witness of Christ's sufferings. Um, Peter saw Christ arrested. He saw him um, on trial. He walked away before he saw the crucifixion, but Peter knew of it. I mean, like Peter is in this. Like he knows, listen, I saw Christ suffer. I witnessed this. And just like you... I'm going to stand with him in glory. And so all of us are in this together, and these are the basis for me appealing to you. I am talking to you based on this ground. Um, Peter is offering up his authority to speak to them, right? And his authority is, like, it's basically all in Jesus, right? It is, I'm an elder, meaning I'm a person who is mature in Christ. I saw Christ suffer. I heard him teach, etc. And I'll stand with him in glory. By the way, if I run into anybody who heard Christ teach firsthand, I'm going to listen to them. Probably not going to happen. Maybe Craig. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But like like this is a huge weight of authority, but it is all authority that comes from Christ. And so when somebody speaks the words of Christ and somebody draws out the words of Christ and says, hey, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say this? Um, That's something to be taken seriously. Now. There's a thing that goes with that, and that is that the Word of God needs to be rightly handled. Because I can pull out Scripture out of context, right? And there are people who make a living doing this. I I watched a uh, a great – not a great – a disturbing interview this morning where a, a journalist surprised one of these TV evangelist guys and asked him about his airplane. And he called her a demon and misquoted Scripture a little And like basically said, well, God gave it to me and I don't have to. Um, That's not a guy speaking in Christ's authority. That's a guy who's getting rich and abusing the body of Christ. And he'll face Jesus for that. And that's going to be a really unpleasant day for him. And we all hope he repents. So verse two, be shepherds over God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. This is the most important line in the sermon. If you're going to hear a catchphrase for the whole message. Shepherds. Pastors are shepherds. This is our job. And this is, um, there are a lot of translations and a lot of handlings that will say under shepherd. Um, Because pastors, our job is is to take care of the flock. This is what our job is. Our job is to make sure that you are fed. Our, Our job is to make sure that you grow. Our job is to make sure you mature. Our job is to make sure that you are safe. From sin and from Satan and from the wiles of the world and your own temptations and everything else, our job is to draw you to Christ and to protect you on Christ's behalf. That's why under shepherd is an important distinction there, because pastors' jobs is to speak on behalf of Christ as His representative. Now, if I were to go, nobody has sheep. I can't even do that, right? If I, but the, the Durga's have goats. If I were to go to the Durga's house and watch their goats for a week or two, I could not handle the goats any way I pleased, right? Because they are not mine. If I were to go to the Durga's and watch cows, first off, they would have to be really desperate. Um, secondly, um, they're not my cows. If they come home and find that I've turned steak out of 80% of their cows, guess what? I'm in trouble, no matter how delicious the steak I cook is, right? And actually, there's a line in Ezekiel, or a chapter in Ezekiel, where God is calling out the leaders of Israel, and he's saying, listen, you guys are supposed to be shepherds over my flock, but you're getting rich off them, and they're starving. Take care of my people, because I'm going to judge you 10 times worse because of that. And I believe pastors have an awful position to stand in, because we are responsible. It is super easy to say easy things. It's super easy to to say nice things. I could I could it would be very easy to get up and do Joel Osteen. Right? I actually even standing up, I'm gonna confess something. I'm standing up here and saying we're not a restaurant, I'm not here to make you happy. That made me really uncomfortable. Like, sorry, my job is actually to step on your toes. And I'm going to try harder. Um, <laughs> Watch over them. So your job is to take care of them. Your job is to keep an eye on them. Your job is to keep them safe and to mature them and to grow them. Your job is to, is to, is to walk with them, is to teach them, is to show them how to grow in Christ. That is it. By the way, if you are showing up here on Sunday mornings, this is the other end of this because this is a two-edged sword, right? Here's the other edge of the sword. Our job is to help you grow. We are boot camp for believers. We are training ground for you to grow Christ-like. If you are showing up because you like my sermons, I can't blame you, um, (laughs) then you're missing the point. The sermons here are supposed to help you repent and know Christ. They're supposed to help you grow spiritually. If I'm failing at that, tell me, because I'll do better. Um, If I'm succeeding and you don't like it, I can't help you. Um, Watch over the flock means help them grow, help them be taken care of. I remember the hardest rude awakening I ever had was about seven years ago last month. I was standing in the Bits' barn, and I was watching them try to pull a calf, right? And I had just watched my daughter be born about a year earlier, and my wife was in labor for like 52 hours, and this cow was stuck and wouldn't have the baby Uh, calf. Um, and so they took this giant thing and they attached it to the cow and they pulled it out. And I told my wife about it and she was not impressed. Um, but they had to get this cow into a stall and I watched, you know how you get a cow into a stall if it doesn't want to go, get a big stick and you hit the cow and chase it around the barn until it gets into the stall. Shepherding is like taking care of animals is mean, right? What would happen to the cow if they hadn't pulled the calf out of it? Calf and the cow are going to die. That's all there is to it. It happens, right? Like, and if you allow a calf to be born in the wrong setting, it'll die. And if you allow, I mean, like, you have to take care of this stuff. And, like, the reality is that as Peter is talking to these guys about shepherds, Everybody back then knew what a shepherd was. First off, because where they live is awful. And you couldn't have cows there because they wouldn't survive. You have to have something awful like a sheep that can live anywhere. Secondly, if you cut it up and eat it, you got to eat it fast. Because refrigeration was really low rent back then. Like, really low rent. Um, And so you ate it quick or it spoiled. And so sheep, like everybody knew sheep because everybody raised sheep because you got your clothes from them. You got... You got your you know, water bags. You got all kinds of stuff out of these animals. And so you knew how to take care of them. Everybody knew what this was. And so he says, under shepherds, take care of them. You are standing in Jesus' spot. He is over you. You have responsibility. Do it right. And sometimes that means awful. It sometimes means hard. By the way, I've never had a hard conversation in this place that I enjoyed. I've never, like, I've been in ministry for 20-plus years. I have had conversations I've sat down and hated doing, and I hated doing them. I want to hold people's hands and make them happy. I don't like doing it. But, like, this is the job. Like, shepherd means, means shepherd. It means the good and the bad. It means celebrate and laugh. It means fellowship. It means living together. It means spending time together. It means all of this stuff. It also means hard stuff. Now he says, "Take care of the sheep," and he gives three things, and it's always this and that, right? Not because you must, but because you are willing. I have talked to pastors who are done being pastors, but won't quit because they don't want to get a real job. Nobody's gonna laugh at the real job thing, really. <laughs> it's like <laughs> um, the reality is when I take care of. Um, people because I want to take care of them because I love them. Like, I'm going to take better care of them than when I do it because I have to, right? Um, if I pray for y'all, I'm going to actually pray for y'all because I want to, whereas if I have to, I probably ain't going to do it. Um, this is a hard thing for pastors. It's a hard thing for leaders in general. By the way, there is a cool little caveat here. Husbands, pay attention. This is y'all, right? Y'all. Y'all. That's right. Husbands, Um, when Peter or when Paul talks about elders, and he says, listen, if you're looking for an elder, one of the things you need to check out is how a husband is with his family, because if he isn't right before his family, he's not taking care of his first pastoral responsibility and he can't be an elder. Husbands, your job is to stand in this spot for your family. So you raise your kids, you teach them who Jesus is, you love your wife, you serve her, you do it because you're willing, not because you must. Isn't that a hard thing? Some days you're gonna do it because you gotta. There are days I get up and I come in here and I do it because I gotta. They most of them. I really like y'all. Uh, most of you. No, I'm kidding. I like all y'all. <laughs> Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Um, I am often very critical of pastors who jump into churches to work there just long enough to get a better job. I mean, it just is what it is. Like, church is not a career. It is a calling. I work here because it's where God put me. Like, this is it. I don't really have a choice. Um, It's all right. I like it here. Um, but like this text here, what it's saying is you're here not for gain but to serve. Not because you want lots of money, not because you want to be respected, not because you want this, not because you want that, but because you want to serve. This is the calling on pastors. By the way, husbands, right? Not for dishonest gain. No, I didn't. I looked over there. <laughs> Stop calling me out, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet, worry. Um, not pursuing dishonest gain but eager to serve and it's oftentimes the case that husbands want things for their role as husband in reality your job is to serve elders, we are elders not for respect teachers, we are teachers not because we get something out of it and I know you all know that anybody who's been a Sunday school teacher for any length of time knows you don't get anything out of it <laughs> You get blessing from the Lord and you get the opportunity to serve and help people grow. But that is a talent God has given you and you are responsible for what happens with it. Not pursuing dishonest gain but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock. Wow. Wow. This is a hard one. This is right out of the mouth of Jesus, right? Jesus, when the apostles were arguing and they're saying to each other, hey, I'm the greatest in heaven. Nope, I'm the greatest in heaven. Nope, you just wait until we get to heaven and everybody's going to see how awesome I am. My apostling is ten times better than your apostling. And Jesus turns around and says, what is wrong with you people? This is how the Gentiles deal with each other. They compete for recognition. They lord their power over each other. They push around people that follow them. Your job is to serve. And the greatest in the kingdom of heaven will be he who serves. He was the least. Um, and actually, that is a theme that runs through all three of these, isn't it? You serve because you're willing, because you're the least. When I'm around people, I, I actually, you know what, I uh, when I was in Israel, I got to, the guy who was leading our group was um, Jim Lyon. He's the head of the Church of God. And like, I've heard people talk about this guy for years. I own several of his books. And like, I I got to eat lunch and dinner with him a bunch of times. It's actually because one of my friends was there, and he's like, man, I really look up to that guy. I hope I get to just talk to him and sit down with him. And I I sat down and ate probably 20 meals with him. And the other guy was like, I hate you. I can't believe that. You don't even know who the guy was before you got here. And I I didn't. Um, But talking to this guy, I kind of wanted to carry his luggage. You know what I mean? (laughs) Did you meet somebody? Like if I meet the Queen of England... I'm probably going to want to like, like, hey, let me bring out the best silverware. It's also our regular silverware. Um, <laughs> but there's this attitude that like spiritual leaders, you want to be great in the kingdom of God. You want to be God's man in the spot. You want to be God's woman in the spot. You want to be the person that God entrusts to lead or take care of or to speak with authority. Your first job Your first job is to take the lowest position possible and serve the people around you and love them as much as possible and care for them as much as possible and humble yourself and over and over and over again, not because you want to be a leader, but because you want to be like Christ. Not because you want recognition and authority, but because you want to be like Christ. When I decided to become a minister, I'm not blowing my own horn. This is the truth. When I decided to become a minister, I had been a Christian for about eight minutes, and I had no idea what I was talking about. But I backed up, and I looked at my entire life, and I said, I don't want to do anything except serve Jesus. I don't care what it is. I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. Win, lose, or draw, I stuck by that on and off. Um, but I'm going to tell you, like, this is what it means to serve Christ right. If you want to serve people because it means you're right, if you want to serve people because it makes you look good, if you want to serve people because you're better than everyone else, you are out of line. And this is the truth for all scriptural authority. This is the truth for all biblical leadership. You want to be in charge. You want to be the big man. You got to be the least and you got to love and you got to serve husbands. That is you board members. That is you spiritually mature guys in the room. That is you, Eric. That is you times 45, right? I say this And I say this honestly, and I say it with a great deal of nervousness and trepidation. You see me fail in this, call me out. One-on-one, face-to-face, on the side. (laughs) Don't raise your hand. Don't point. But have a conversation with me, because I want this. If you are a husband in this room, I will do this for you. If you don't like it, this isn't a restaurant. You can't have it your way here. (laughs) Thank you. I just made that up. I'm going to copyright it later. (laughs) And when the chief shepherd appears, by the way, that under shepherd means there is a chief shepherd, right? When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive your crown of glory that will never fade away, meaning you are caring for the flock. And when when the boss comes back to check on his calves, on his sheep, on his people, on y'all, that's where the reward comes. The reward doesn't come in wealth. Honestly, being a minister is hard. I know we joke about it and everything else, and my job's pretty easy. But most ministers I know, it's a hard job. Um, There's a crown of glory that comes with it. And the crown of glory is not a literal crown. It is standing next to Christ as Christ is glorified by showing mercy to people who just don't deserve it. That is all of us, right? God is most glorified when he forgives and when he shows mercy. Everybody still awake? Mostly? (laughs) We we made the coffee extra strong this morning. In the same way, this is uh, four and five, uh, or four. uh, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders all of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Now watch this. In the same way you who are younger, submit yourself to the elders. This is, there are two ways to read this. Either if you are young, like my children, submit to older people. I don't think it's a good read. I think the right read on this is if you are in a church, if you are in the body, this is not a restaurant. If I go to a restaurant and they bring me the wrong meal, and they say, we decided this is what you needed, not what you wanted, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat half of it, complain, and leave without paying. (laughs) In the church, in the body of Christ, our job isn't to show up and consume. Our job is to show up and be in community. Our job is to show up and be accountable to each other. Our job is to show up and serve each other. If there are folks in leadership, don't bite them. Sheep are nasty little animals. They bite. I've heard llamas bite, too. Um, They bite. I I heard a story from uh, Larry once about a cow that he found laying in a hole. And I guess if cows lay down in holes long enough, it'll kill them. Is that about right? And they develop, like, this huge pile of, like, fluid in their belly. I don't know anything about cows. Call me out if I'm wrong right now. Larry was with Rebecca, and he said, run away, Rebecca, and he ran up and he stabbed the cow in the belly to relieve the pressure. And he got it up, and the cow was so angry. I think it took him. It it knocked him flat, right? But he saved the cow's life. Church world is hard. I do not know a single pastor who has not had this happen. People bite. Don't bite. If you don't like what I'm doing, please talk to me. I try to be the most humble person in the room. I'm not good at it, but I try. If you're angry at me, come and talk to me. Don't bite me. Don't bite the other. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all missed that. Don't bite the other leaders. Terry works hard, and Terry's very conscious of what he does. Don't bite Terry. Um, Mr. Bond Miller back there, don't bite him. There are folks in this place whose job it is to be mature, to stand in Christ's place. And as long as they are standing in Christ's place and speaking in harmony with Christ, don't bite them. Because you ain't biting me. Right? If I'm wrong, call me out and I'll step back in line with Christ. If I'm right and you bite me, you ain't biting me. All of you clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. Now, watch this. This is the most important line in this explanation. Be humble when you deal with each other. If I'm arrogant when I talk to you guys, I'm going to chafe like crazy and y'all are going to hate me. Some of y'all hate me already. Um, If y'all are humble in dealing with me and I'm wrong, pull me aside and have a conversation. That's humble. Um, Humility is so hard. But humility is what makes the church work and what makes the body of Christ coincide and coalesce and stick together because otherwise we come apart. Humility is what makes it possible for us to feed people who can't feed themselves. Humility is what makes it possible to wash the feet of folks who are here to be you know who are here who don't know Christ. Humility is what makes it possible for us to sit down with folks who are in sin and just say, "Hey, come on. Let's figure out how to be right with Jesus again." Humility is hard. Humility is what's required to confess, and it is the most miserable thing in the world if you don't have it. It's the fastest way to learn humility. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. What does that mean? It means God is on your team if you are humble. If you are acting in pride, if you're acting in your own authority, if you're acting as I am lording over all of you, God is not on your team. So how do we grow with this? Um, This is two weeks, third week we've done GROW. Um, GROW is our acronym. This is going to be a part of everything. If you have not heard it yet, pay attention. This is big, okay? Um, In order to grow spiritually, there are four components, four central areas, Um, and I've acronymed them to GROW, patent pending. Um, G, give it to God. We submit our lives to God. That is the only way to grow. If God is not in control of your relationships, if God is not in control of your money, if God is not in control of your thought life, of your TV watching, of your internet use, of your everything, God is the boss. He does not trade, right? I love my wife very much, right? If I say, honey, I'm going to be married to you and love you, but I'm also going to have these other women that I visit with. That's not going to work, Right? Because my wife expects 100%. Jesus is Lord over us. Christ died for us so that he can be number one in our lives. And we have to give everything to him in exchange for, like, this is how we are saved. Like, he becomes the boss. We submit to him. We follow him. He is our Lord. We are his. And this is how we grow spiritually. In every area of our lives, we have to give things to God over and over again. If I'm preaching stuff this morning and you're like, I can see where that's in the text, but I don't like it. This is where you start. Right? Things need to be submitted to Christ. You back up and you have that conversation. You figure out how to do it. Christ is in charge or, or you're not even playing. Like you're, you're showing up to play baseball with a croquet set. Right? <laughs> like you're not in the same game anymore. Christ is in charge. That is it. Um, R, repent and renew. If there are areas in this where you see and you're like, oh, wow, I'm screwing up. Honestly, writing this sermon, there were areas where I had to back up and say, I need to repent preaching this sermon, I've thought of two things already where I'm like, man, I really need to repent in this area. I got to repent in how I've thought about this. Like when we realize we're in sin and we're contrary to Christ's Lordship, we have to make it right. Making it right means repenting, but it also means making it right with the people that we've wronged. When I quit drinking, oh my gosh, I had to go around and talk to people and apologize and pay back things and And it was miserable, but that's what renewal is. Repent and renew. How do we repent and renew in this? Um, I don't know anybody in this room who has a problem with this. Um, But I've known folks over the years in ministry who hate pastors and chew them up. Like, if I was in that spot, I would make phone calls. And I would apologize and make it right. Um, If I was in a spot where... I backed up and I looked and I'm like, wow, I'm in leadership and I am not doing this right. I would make it right. Own it means study it. There's six texts in this passage. Read them. Pray about them. If this is stuff in this that makes it like uncomfortable for you, if you've been showing up here to be served instead of to serve, back up, figure it out. Pray about it. Study it. If you need things to read, I'll give you stuff to read. I got plenty. Um, Own it. Make it a part of your heart and your mind. And then finally, like, how do we work this into our life? Um, This is mostly about me, right? Unless you're a leader or a husband. Um, Make it right. Like, own it. Apply it. If you are trash-talking some of the elders in the church, knock it off. If you are openly warring with people in authority in your life, knock it off. If you are needing to change your behaviors, if you're me, it means being more humble. It means serving. It means loving. It means all of this stuff, and that's something i got to renew every day because I don't want to do it all the time. Um, You're going to hear grow over and over again, right? Um, That is is it, guys. My challenge for you this week um, is to look at this. Um, Are you leading your families? If you were a leader in this setting, are you acting like a mature spiritual person whose job it is to shepherd a flock? Like if God has gifted you with spiritual wisdom, if God has gifted you in ways, are you using that to care for the flock? Like are you feeding the sheep? Um, and if you're not, figure out how to fix it. Make it right. Um, We'll close in prayer, and I'll let you all go. I know it's hot, and I know I'm like, way long. Is he ever going to finish? Oh, and it's a communion Sunday. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Heavenly Father, I pray as the guys come forward to take communion that you would forgive me for being long-winded. Um, and I pray, Lord, that as we take communion this morning, as we take the Lord's Supper, that you would remind us, that you would bring to our attention the fact like, that we are your people, that we are your flock. Um, That we belong to you first and foremost. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would, um, as we take the Lord's Supper, that you would bring our minds and our hearts into a place where we would be submissive to you. In Christ's name. On the night that Christ was betrayed...